This is a hairdryer. How many have a hairdryer? How many have a hairdryer in your home? How many used a hairdryer in your life? Um, this is, and I'm, as I'm looking around the room, I mean, I can tell some of y'all probably use one a night, and some people, uh, I mean, you've just got no need for one of these, but, but you can, I'm just keeping it real, you, you can do a lot of things with these hair dryers. You can, um, how many have used a hair dryer for something other than drying hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can remove like tags and labels and stuff with a hair dryer. I didn't know if you knew this or not. You can, when you bake a cake and you put icing on it, if you blow it with a hair dryer, it puts a gloss on the icing. Did anybody know that? I Googled that, don't, I don't cook. Um, but you can do that. Uh, you can um, dust with a hair dryer. Shannon uses her hair dryer as a, as a heater. Um, every Sunday morning, that's, that's how I know she's out of bed. I hear the hair dryer and she's not drying her hair. It's like her heater. Um, this though, this is like, I, I didn't even know these existed. This is a, this is a Dyson hair dryer. This costs more than my first car. Um, and it's, it's not mine. I, I borrowed it from a friend. And uh, it's, it's amazing. A Dyson, these things run like three, four, five hundred bucks. It's not mine. Church didn't buy it. <laughs> need to make that because I, I don't need anybody leaving going, they buying Dyson hair dryers. No, nah, figure out. But y'all just listen to how powerful this thing is. It's not working. It's not what? Oh, it's not plugged in. Oh, okay. So, so if you plug it in, hold on, hold on, let me see. Oh, there just happens to be a drop cord here. This is called a sermon prop. <clears throat> hold on, let's see, because I've never used one of these things before. I'm not sure what's going to happen here. We've got any master electricians? All right, here we go. Here we go. Oh, my snap. This is, what, this is how reporters do it when they're reporting on the hurricane. They're like, we're out here. This is a category five. Everybody stay inside. I'm standing out here getting paid for money to tell you to stay inside. This thing is amazing. This thing, this thing is incredibly valuable. It's a Dyson. And it's, it's complex, it's complicated. I'm sure if you took it apart, there's all kinds of parts in there. And it has the potential, I mean, seriously, I think there's one setting on here called Hurricane, and you could literally start a hurricane with this thing. But here's what everybody needs to know. If it's not plugged in, it's useless. If it's not plugged in, it has no power. This was not created to power itself. It's so complex and it's so unique, but it has to have a power source other than itself to make it work. Can we agree on that? Now, I'm glad, I'm glad we could because at the end of the day, you are way more complex than this hairdryer. Like you, you were put together and designed by God. Like your DNA is so unique and so specific and God designed us, but just like this hairdryer, he didn't design us to go through life powered by our own power. He designed us to be plugged in to a power source greater than us, that would be himself. And if we're not plugged into the power of God, well, we'll drift away or we'll take our eyes off of Jesus or we'll begin to do things that we, we used to say, I can't believe so-and-so does that, we'll actually become that person. We, we were designed to go through life plugged in to Jesus, plugged in to the Lord, plugged, plugged into a power source greater than us. And that's what I wanna talk about tonight as we're taking this journey through Exodus and we're talking about Moses because Moses at some point realized what God is asking me to do is a pretty big deal. I'm 
I'm gonna have to get plugged into a power source, but if you can believe this, Moses actually kept telling God no over and over and over again. I don't know if there's anybody in the room tonight, if there's anybody watching online that really wrestles with telling God no over and over and over again. God tells you to do something, you say no. God tells you to do something, you say maybe. God tells you to do something, you say later. Moses did the same thing, but when Moses had a breakthrough, well, today we know him as one of the greatest men, not just in the Bible, but in the history of the world. So we're gonna take a look and what Moses, what, what's going on? Because when we left Moses last week, remember, Jesus is on fire in the middle of a bush. And Moses is having a conversation with a man on fire, literally a man on fire. This is Jesus. And last week, remember, what was the first thing that, that Jesus asked Moses to do? Take off your shoes, right? And we talked about that. And then last week, Moses asked him two questions. He said, who am I? And Jesus didn't even answer he said, who are you? And he said, I am. And Moses said, ugh. And, and so they got, they got that worked out. And you would think that maybe that Moses was like, okay, I'm in, let's go, let's do this thing, I'm on it. But nope, Moses still had a problem. And I want you to look because this issue that, that Moses brings up is an issue that we wrestle with today. And it's an issue that can keep us unplugged from the power of God, check this out, this is Moses. But Moses protested again. Moses keep going, ah, hold on. This is when we give God excuses, right? Watch this, watch this. What if, let's say this word on three, one, two, three, they. What if they won't believe me? Or listen to me, what if, one, two, three, they say the Lord never appeared to you. Can you believe that Moses was considering saying no to God because he was concerned with what other people who didn't even know him might think about him? Aren't you glad we've made so much progress in the past 3,000 years? Moses almost said no to getting plugged in to God because he wanted to stay plugged into people. He asked it twice, what if they say? What if they say? And there's so many people that won't take their next steps in their relationship with Jesus because like, what, what will they say? And it's multiplied exponentially in the world we live in because of social media. Now, some of the meanest people in the world are on Facebook, and y'all know them. Some of y'all, I don't know, I don't know if, I'm not saying anybody in this room's mean. If you are, glad you're here. Identify yourself. Um, uh, Instagram, people are pretty nice. Twins, Twitter is a dumpster fire. It's just a, it's a garbage heap. But, but we will let people who don't even know us actually have access to our emotions and our spiritual maturity, we let them define us and they don't even know us. God's probably looking at Moses going, who cares what they say? Have you ever spoken to a man in a bush on fire? What about me? I'm standing here, hello. I'm just saying people sometimes will cause us to unplug from what God really wants to do in our life and we can, we can miss it 
We can miss it because of what they say. Well, I love God because God's like, all right, you wanna dance? Let's dance. So God replies, he, he said, the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied, now pause. Moses asked, what if they, what if they? God doesn't answer his question. If you'll read the gospels, Jesus rarely answers a question. In fact, most of the time when somebody asks Jesus a question, he asks them a question back. It's, it's, so, so he said, what if they say, and the Lord asked him, what's that in your hand? A shepherd's staff? He probably said it just like that. Has nothing to do with the question I just asked you, man on fire in the middle of the bush. <laughs> now, let me kind of kind of set this up real quick. And this is, I'm gonna upset some people. I upset some people this morning. Um, I left the evidence on Facebook. Y'all need to go back and look at the comment. I'm not gonna ruin it, but look at the comment on Facebook. It's an exposition on what I'm about to say. And it's fascinating. I just left it there because I thought, He's unemployed. All right, so, <laughs> what if he's watching? He probably is. He's unemployed. I love musicals, kinda. Let me tell you why. I love musicals because they're super entertaining, they're super fun, but the reason I just can't really fully buy into a musical is because they're not realistic. Like, you're not gonna walk out these doors tonight and a musical happen. You're not gonna leave here and go to Target and walk up to an employee and say, where are the dog treats? And they're gonna go, Dog treats, dog treats, dog treats are over there, over there, over there, and people will just start dancing in little red shirts. Not gonna happen. And if it does, whoo, we got, we, we got more problems. We got more problems. But musicals, for the most part, for the most part, are highly entertaining. Like, for example, I like Hamilton. I saw Hamilton. Anybody see Hamilton? Anybody see Hamilton? Um, I loved it. I, I'm a history guy, and it's all hip hop, and it was, it was great. The music, the dancing, everything was great. Um, I love Wicked. Anybody see Wicked? Anybody see Wicked? Okay, a few people. Wicked, that's great. Um, how about The Phantom of the Opera? Oh yeah, that was my first one. I'd never been to a musical. And I was like, I don't know. I won't feel that chandelier. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Hey. <laughs> but I'm, a, I'm about to share with y'all the musical that I, I, I did not like. And I'm, listen, don't argue with me. I got a hard stance on this musical that I cannot stand. Thank you, Cole. Cole's the only staff member getting a raise next year because everybody else just booed me. Let, me. let me tell you why I don't like this musical. Logically, you can't make it work. Logically, it's stupid. Logically, the storyline is irrational. I'll prove it to you. Starts out with this woman having a bad day. <laughs> no, you think your day sucks. The house is not falling on you, okay? That's a bad day. But the focus is not the poor woman under the house. The focus is her what? Somebody said it? Shoes, yeah, the, the ruby red slippers, right? And so, so then my girlfriend from high school shows up and she... <laughs> I was talking about she looked like her. I don't know where y'all, why, why y'all think I'm so mean? Anyway, the Wicked Witch of the West shows up and she is, she's after Dorothy? No. What's she after? She's after the shoes. She's after the shoes. And then a big conflict shows up and then Glenda shows up. 
the good witch, right? Except she's not a good witch. She's an evil, manipulative, twisted, sick, psychopathic woman. Am I clear? Do I need to go any deeper on that? She's, she's not a good witch. She's not a good witch because she transfers the slippers from under the housewoman to Dorothy, correct? In fact, this is, this is what we find. Dorothy has the slippers on her feet at the beginning of the movie. Then she goes through this whole movie and she meets the scarecrow and the tin man and the lion. <laughs> and this whole debacle takes place and then after they finally get and Oz and every, like at the end, Glenda shows up and she tells Dorothy, oh, you had the way to go home on your feet this whole time, just click your heels three times. Okay, pause, time out. Glenda, why didn't you tell her that before you sent her little teenage butt down the yellow brick road and she had to go through all these problems? That's why it doesn't logically work. Dorothy had what she needed to go home the entire time. She just didn't use it. Now, the reason I bring that up is because when, when Moses began to kind of push back on God, God said, what's that in your hand? What you got in your hand? In other words, God didn't say, hey, I want you to plug into my power, but in order to plug into my power, you're gonna have to go to a certain place. Now, I love going to certain places. I love going to like the Mount of Olives in Israel. I can, I can worship there. I can, I can worship. I mean, it's like this is where Jesus ascended. It's where he's going to come back. That's a cool place. There's, I love to go to certain church services. I love our church. I feel like God shows up every time we get together. I, but, but the power of God isn't necessarily found in a place. Some people think that the power of God is always found in one particular person. And you'll see it mostly in charismatic movements where people are coming down and bodies are hitting the floor left and right and they're just slaying people. And if that's your temperature, that's great. I don't really have that gift, if that's even what you wanna call it. But the power of God isn't in a place or nor is it in a person. The power of God is personal. And it starts with God, God, God is asking every single person in this room tonight, what's that in your hand? You wanna experience my power? What you got in your hand? Shepherd's staff. God's like, yeah, I can use that. Can you see that for a minute? What you got in your hand, Moses? Shepherd's staff. Guys, can we use the shepherd's staff? We can, yeah, yeah, we can use that. What's that in your hand? Is there a issue you need to confess? A problem you need to ask for help with? Like, you've got in your hand what it takes to get plugged in to the power of God right now. You don't have to wait for it. You can have it right now. So Moses, God, I got a staff. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. Now, pause, I like to bring this up. Mo Moses hadn't read this story, so he don't know how it's gonna go, right? What do you think Moses thought was gonna happen when he threw his stick down? Nothing. You want me to throw the stick down? And he throws the stick down. And the Bible says, so Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back and sharded. That's in, that's in the Hebrew. Um, that's what I, now, 
you, you, my opinion, my opinion, and I'm right, is the only good snake is a dead snake. That's the only good snake. Every once in a while, every once in a while, if you're from up north and you've just moved down south, you meet a southerner and they go, I don't kill black snakes. Black snakes kill other snakes and they kill mice and rats. And, and, and I'm like, you know what? I'll kill the mice and rats too. I will, I will straight up kill a black, Paul, you know I will kill a black snake. I will, I, I will. Paul was with me when I shot one one time. It was awesome. We should have videoed the whole thing. We couldn't hear for three days, but the thing that gets me about this, though, is Moses traveled over the, de like, Moses, Moses was a desert man. He was in the desert his whole life, 40 years. He knew the difference between a poisonous snake and a non-poisonous snake. And a non-poisonous snake, to a man that's lived in the desert his whole life, isn't going to scare Moses. The reason he jumped back is this is a poisonous snake. This is, this is a problem. This is an issue. This, is, this could get deadly. Now, here's what blew my mind, and I saw this. And I said this this morning, I just go ahead and issue an apology. I try to apologize a lot because I've been reading this story for over 50 years and I've never seen what I'm about to share. It blew my mind when I saw it. God's communicating something to Moses. He's communicating something to us. This, this, the stick could have turned into anything, but it turned into a, a snake. Up until this point in the scriptures, we only see a snake one other time. Genesis 3, when this, the serpent, the enemy, Satan, took the form of a serpent to deceive Adam and Eve. What God's communicating to Moses is, you're about to step into a spiritual battle. But if you're plugged in to the power of God, you'll be all right. We, we, we are in a spiritual war today in America in the world. And, and listen, I just go ahead and confess, most of y'all know this about me, there's not a woke bone in my body. I'm not woke, I am not politically correct, I, I never have been. In fact, I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you that there, the issues that people are calling political issues are not political issues, they're spiritual issues. The whole transing the kids movement, that's, that's a spiritual issue. I'll go ahead and call it what it is, demonic. Because when it happens overseas to young kids, we call it gender mutilation. When it happens to kids in America, we call it gender affirming care. That's messed up. That's messed up. We'll look at the Bible and we'll say they sacrificed their children. How brutal, yet we're sacrificing ours in this movement. Now listen, I'm not mad about it. I'm just saying, I'll call it what it is. It's a spiritual issue, and it's an issue that the church doesn't need to be afraid to speak out on and say, thus saith the Lord, that's where we're gonna stand. Not be, I'm not mad. The whole thing about hiding, like your kids can go to school and claim one thing and the parents aren't informed, that's a spiritual issue. That's a spiritual issue. For me, handling my money was a spiritual issue for the longest time. And for my first addiction ever, well, it's when I was a kid, it was to food. I had to understand that was a spiritual issue for me. I had to overcome it. There was a spiritual battle going on inside of me. And God's saying, this is gonna be a spiritual war. Moses, you're gonna step into some spiritual issues, but watch this. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab his tail. Now I'm out right there, I'm done. 
I'm like, listen, I, the bush and the fire thing is awesome, but I'm, I've got, I'm, I'm out. Because even for the people that might even possibly pick up a snake, you know you don't pick up a snake by the tail, am I right? You pick it up behind the head, not, because if you pick it up by the tail, you're gonna get bit. It leaves you vulnerable. So is this a step of faith for Moses, yes or no? Absolutely. By the way, for, for the people that tell you that following God is always easy, it's not. We gotta overcome some fear. We'll have to overcome, reach out and grab it by itself. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff into his hand. That's a cool trick. Pull that off at a party sometime. I'll get to, you'll get a crowd around, but don't miss this. What God's telling Moses is you're stepping into a spiritual war, but Moses, you have authority over the enemy because you're plugged in to me. We don't have to be scared when people, oh my gosh, you're talking about demons, and oh, I'm scared of spiritual war. We don't have to be scared when we're plugged in to the power of God because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We don't walk in apology. We walk in victory as followers of Christ. We don't have to be worried. So, so Moses is on a roll. He throws the stick down, comes into a snake, jumps back, jumps back over, picks the, the snake, becomes a stick. He's like, that's pretty cool. And then God's, <laughs> this is crazy. Perform this sign, the Lord told them, and they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, really has sent you. God sent me, how do we know? <laughs> becomes a snake. Oh, that's kind of cool. Then he says this, now put your hand inside your cloak. And in my mind, I just envisioned Moses kind of being dressed like a Jedi knight. He's got this cloak on, like Obi-Wan Kenobi in the desert. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. And we took it out again. His hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. That's a problem. I was thinking, when I was, like before I was a parent, this is back in the 80s, 90s, somewhere in this, I had some friends that had, had a baby, little baby boy. And when it, one of the greatest sounds in the world, there's not a better sound, is a baby when that baby is cackling, laughing. I'm not talking about like a, because <laughs> he probably farted. That's probably what that was, because they smile when they have gas. I'm talking about when you can get a baby to cackle, laugh. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? You'll do whatever it takes to get that baby to just to cackle. It, we will drop our IQ 100 points just to get that baby. So we're like, hey, how are you doing? Oh my gosh. And then the baby's just cackling. So I'm with some friends and family members and, and I'm not saying this is, I'm not suggesting this. I'm just saying this is what I was doing. I was trying to make the baby laugh. So I had this baby and the parents were in the room and I, listen, I would never write a parenting book. If I did, the title of it would be how to make sure your kid goes to therapy. Um, it'd be a number one bestseller because I've got that down, but I've got this, I got this baby and we're just having fun. And, I, and I, they were like, I throw him up in the air and I catch him and he's like, <coughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the coolest sound in the world. I said, do it again. I did it again. I called him like, and I threw him up the third time and I didn't see the ceiling fan. <laughs> True story. And so I threw him up and I was like, <laughs> and so I caught, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. He just always walks to the left and can't say the number seven. But other than that, he's, he's fine. He turned out great, he turned out great. 
But the reason I bring that up is, isn't that how we feel sometimes in our relationship with Jesus? Where we're like, full of joy, we're full of joy, life is awesome. And then it's like he takes us and just throws us in the ceiling fan. I told somebody recently, I said, how's everything going? They said, it's going awesome. I said, isn't that awesome? They said, no, I'm freaked out. Like, what do you mean you're freaked out? They said, I get freaked out when things are awesome because it usually means something horrible is about to happen. I was like, I completely understand. I feel the same way. I thought I was the only one. Now, the reason I bring that up is because Moses so far is on a roll. The whole snake and stick thing, this is a good thing. And God tells him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he does, and he pulls it out. He's got leprosy. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you, do you, do you think he was confused, yes or no? Yeah, wait a minute, guy. I did what you said to do, and I got leprosy. You think he was maybe a little bit frustrated, yes or no? Yes. Think he had some questions, yes or no? Absolutely. And what he could have done is said, you know what, God? This has all been great. But the reason I have leprosy is because I listened to you and I'm done. And at this point, Moses could have turned around and walked away and he would have died because the leprosy would have eventually consumed his body. Moses experienced something that hurt, that was confusing, that was painful, but he stayed connected. I'm saying that to people in this room, I know there are people here tonight, I know there are people watching online, maybe even recently, you've gone through something confusing, you've gone through something that hurt, you've gone through something painful, and, and that is, man, that's the easiest bailout. You know what, I got hurt, and so I'm leaving. You know what, I have questions. By the way, if you're waiting to have all your questions answered, you're never gonna have them answered. I'm 51 years old, still got questions, and they've, I'll have questions till the day I die. This, Moses could have disconnected right here and said, I would have never gotten leprosy. But see, he stayed plugged in to the power of God. And sometimes God takes us through things that are incredibly uncomfortable and incredibly difficult. And we even think, we even may think it's gonna be the death of us. But watch what happens. Now put your hand back in your cloak, the Lord said. And at this point, Moses probably figured, I've got nothing to lose. So he puts his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. I think what God's communicating to Moses in this text and what he's communicating to us is Moses, this is, this is gonna hurt, but you're in luck because I'm a healer. Somebody in this room needs to hear that tonight. God knows you're hurt and he's a healer. God, God can heal you of addiction and God can heal you of anxiety and God can heal you from depression, and God can heal you from shame, and God can heal you from guilt and worry and fear and doubt. God can heal us from those things because he, he is the great physician. He is the one who has the whole world in his hands, and he knows, I know you're hurt, and if you'll stay plugged into me, you will experience 
healing that you could not have experienced apart from me. Don't, dis don't disconnect when you're mad or confused. Lean in, because God's getting ready to do a healing work. So you would think this would be enough. Nope. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled, which I think is funny. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. You just kind of say that over and over again. If he wasn't good with words, he couldn't have said that, but he, sometimes, we, sometimes we make up excuses that make no sense, and so that's what he's doing. And he basically, he's telling God, God, I'm not, I'm not like a speaker person. When I was a kid, I had, I had a dream. I had this dream in my heart. And this is why you shouldn't tell kids you can do anything you wanna do and be anything you wanna be, because it's not true. <laughs> Until the fifth grade, you ask some kids, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And they'll be like, I wanna be a doctor, I wanna be, um, I wanna be a, a teacher, I wanna be a fireman, I wanna be a police officer. They, they say all kinds of things, and it's great and it's wonderful I have dreams. I'm not saying no, I, I'm just saying, I, until I was in the fifth grade, I had one answer. I wanna play football for the Dallas Cowboys. That's all I wanna do. That was my dream. That was my dream. And um, I would watch football with my dad on Sundays, and I, I had my career path planned out. I was gonna play for the Easley Green Wave. Um, don't know why we were called the Green Wave, still don't know. I guess it's algae, and it's coming at you, and it's dangerous, I had no idea. And then I was gonna play for Clemson Tigers, and then I was gonna get drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, and I was gonna play football for the Dallas Cowboys, and that was my dream. And, and then in fifth grade, my mom signed me up for rec football, and I discovered I had a small impediment to my dream. I lacked athletic ability. <laughs> no, when I tell you I suck as a football player, I suck. I couldn't block, I couldn't tackle, I was the slowest person on the team, I had ADD, I couldn't even pay attention to the game, but I paid attention to the cheerleaders, and I can still do every cheer they did. At a football game, there's lots of things to see. At a football game, there's fun for you and me. Oh, oh no, I had a date with Joe. I can do, I can do cheers all day long. People look at me and they, why didn't you play football? I'm like, well, I only liked one thing. Why didn't you play basketball? Same reason, I cannot walk and dribble. That's why I, I didn't play. And so that's what Moses is telling God. God, you got the wrong draft pick. I have zero ability. And I love God's answer. God didn't go, oh my gosh, Moses, you are so right. He said, then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? In other words, don't miss this. God's not interested in our ability. He's interested in our availability. Because if we're, a, if we're available, he makes us able. I heard somebody say it years ago, God does not call the equipped, he equips the called. And if you're available, if you make room, God says, I am able to do more in and through you than you could ever imagine. That's why I love that song, God, I'll make room. We're singing that song, man, I'm wearing that thing out because I, I, I want that, I wanna be available. God, if you wanna, I wanna be available. I just wanna be available. 
So Moses, Moses kind of gets, have you ever noticed you're just not gonna win the argument with God? So finally Moses gets frustrated. God told him, now go and I'll be with you as you speak and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please. Lord, please send anyone else. In other words, I, I don't wanna do this. So if you're here tonight and you've ever felt like telling God, no, God, I don't wanna do, I don't wanna go. I, I don't want to do this. Has Moses been putting up a pretty good fight so far? Yeah, but, but then something happens. Something happens, and after this thing happens, Moses has zero excuses. After this next thing happens, Moses stops fighting, he stops resisting, and he steps into what God's called him to do. What was this thing that just caused the breakthrough? Let's look and see. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. That's not it, by the way. All right, he said, what about your brother? Aaron, the Levite. <laughs> if you know, you know. If you don't, it's fine. Aaron. I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. How cool is that? I think God went ahead and preempted Moses' excuse. What about your brother Aaron? I ain't seen him. Hey, look, he's right there. He's on his way. Look, he's on his way to see you right now. He'll be glad to see you. Took away his excuses. Well, he don't like me. Oh, he, no, he'll be glad to see you. Basically, God's telling Moses, hey, Moses, you don't have to do this alone. When we plug in to the power of God and we get connected with people that are plugged in to the power of God, nothing is impossible. He, he said, he said, Talk to him and put words in his mouth and I will be with both of you as you speak and I will instruct you both in what to do. In other words, this is gonna be a, this is, Moses, I know you can't do this by yourself. It's gonna take somebody else, which brings me to the great theologian, Miley Cyrus. I think Miley Cyrus is a, is a phenomenal singer. Um, every time party in the USA, comes on, I'll crank that thing. I love, I love that song. It, you can't help but like, like, right? And then The Climb, that's a good song. That's a good song, The Climb. Unlike her dad who did the achy, breaky, bad mistakey. Um, but her, her recent song, Flowers, is stupid. And I, listen, that's the first time somebody has reacted tonight. I talked about the power of God. You're like, mm, I called Miley Cyrus I didn't call her stupid. She might be if she believes this. Now, I know she wrote it as a breakup song. I know the whole story behind the song. But I want you to listen because, because one of the biggest problems that we have in this world is loneliness. Eight billion people on the planet and there's more people lonely in this world than ever before. And Miley goes through this breakup and this is what she says. I can buy myself flowers. That's not smart. 
Save some money, Molly. I'm buying these flowers for me. Write my name in the sand. Tad narcissistic with that, right? Just a tad? Tad? This is my favorite. Talk to myself for hours. Molly, you keep that up. They're going to put you in a jacket with no sleeves in a, in a round rubber room. Talk to yourself for hours? Girl, something ain't right with you. Am I right? If I see somebody walking around talking to themselves, I'm like, this is not, this, this could be a musical or this could be a breakdown. I'm not sure which. Say things you don't understand. I can take myself dancing and hold my own hand? Mm. What she's basically saying in that song is I don't need anybody. I can live on my own. And she could not be more wrong. We can't make it in life on our own. I don't need anybody. It, that's a lie from the pit of hell. And this is another one. And I, I try to talk about this every time I talk about this so I know I'm repeating myself. All I need is Jesus. No, no you don't. When Jesus, the night before he was crucified, the night he was crucified, was in the garden, he didn't go away and pray by himself. He asked Peter, James, and John to go with him. So if Jesus wasn't enough for Jesus, what he's doing right there is modeling for us Then, in our deepest moments of hurt and pain, we don't need to push away, we need to pull people in. We can't do this alone. That's why we started this church. We started this church so that people could plug in to the power of God and get connected with other people that are plugged in to the power of God. And it's amazing what a group of people that are kingdom-minded, plugged in, what a difference they can make in this world. It's, it's incredible. And then God, God summarizes it and he says, he says this. He said, Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. In other words, Moses, you don't have to do this alone. And that's the good news. If you're here tonight, you're wrestling with anything. You don't have to do this alone. That's why God... That's why we have the church. Then he said this. He said, take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. We're gonna dive into it more next week, but after this, Moses and Aaron go on to lead one of the greatest movements of God in the history of the world because they stayed plugged in to the power of God, and they stayed connected to each other. God, we need each other. This morning, back in the first-timers area, um, I got to have a really, really cool conversation with one of the people that we baptized a few weeks ago at our baptism service. I don't know if you were at our baptism service. It was crazy. Like, we saw God move. I was standing in the little tub over there, and I was just like, anybody else need to come? People just started coming down and getting baptized, getting baptized. But at the 11 o'clock service, I gave the invitation, and I said, if anybody needs to come down and get baptized, you come right now, you come right now. 
And I was, everybody was clapping and paying attention. And I'm standing in the pool and I look over and here comes a guy in a wheelchair. And I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe he like sprained his ankle or he's got a bum knee or, or something. And I'm just thinking he's gonna, you know, roll up to the baptistry and just get out. And as he rolls up, somebody comes up and whispers in my ear, he, he broke his back. And so when he, when he rolled up to the tub, I just asked him, I said, I said, do you want me to, like I can get a bottle of water, we can figure out how to do this. And he looked at me, he said, no, I'm, I, I wanna get in there. So about four men gathered around him and they picked this man up. I'm messed up. He's crying. All the men that are holding him, they're crying too. We got him in the tub and we baptized him and he left and I just couldn't get that picture out of my mind all day. He came back there this morning and we were having this conversation. He told me, he said, it was, it was tough to do that. I was like, I can't even imagine. And he looked at me and he got tears in his eyes and he said, I'm just so broken that I just need people's help. I looked at him, I said, that's true for every one of us. I said, what's true for you physically is true for every person that walked in the doors of this place spiritually. We're all broken. There are times in my life that I had to borrow somebody else's strength. I had to borrow somebody else's will. I had to borrow somebody else's because I didn't have enough to make it on my own. But I've discovered if I'll just get up every single day and try my best to say yes to Jesus and stay connected to the people that are saying yes to Jesus, the power and potential for what we could accomplish individually and as a group is absolutely unlimited. So Father, right now I want to pray and just ask God that we would be God we just be available God we would just be willing God that we would face our fears we would walk in authority we would stay connected with you would let you bring healing into our life God, we would just make room. We would just open up our hearts and our minds and say, God, I'm gonna make room for you to, to move in my life. God, I don't wanna see what I can do. I wanna see what you can do through me being connected to you. God, I'll make room. Jesus, here we stand. Father, have your have your way in our hearts and in our lives with heads bowed and eyes closed right now. What's that thing that you know you need to do to either get plugged in or stay plugged into the power of God? Because when you're walking in the power of God, you can walk in authority. You can walk knowing that you're going to be healed. Maybe, maybe that's what you need. God, show me the authority I have in you. Show me 
how to step into the healing work that you want to do in me. God, show me who to be connected to. God, show me what you want. God, what is your next step for my life? He'll make it clear if we'll make room. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You never asked Jesus to come into your life. You've never actually gotten connected to Jesus in any way. And tonight's the night you need to pray to receive Christ. And you know it. Like you know tonight is the night and you know it's your next step. I'm gonna invite you right now, right where you stand, to pray out loud and ask Christ to come into your life. But, but I'm not gonna ask you to pray out loud by yourself. We as a Second Chance family, we're gonna pray it with you. And we do this, number one, to encourage you. And number two, to remind you that when you become a Christian, you don't step in Christianity alone. You step in with the people of God. So if you want to pray to receive Christ tonight, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. Second chance family, let's pray with them. Say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer in this room, I wanna pray with you, I wanna pray for you, I wanna encourage you, and I wanna know who you are. So if you just prayed to receive Christ, do me a favor right where you're standing, but just put your hand up in the air and just put it up where I can see it. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen, sir. Amen. Amen. Father, I wanna thank you for these hands that have gone up in the air tonight. God, as a reminder, God, that you are working and moving in these, this place. I want to pray for each person that raised their hand, that as they walk out of this place, they would walk out knowing that they are forgiven. They are unconditionally loved. And God, that you are just beginning the work that you're going to do in their life. God, I pray for all of us tonight that as we walk out of this place every day this week, we would just wake up saying, yes, Jesus, I'll make room. I want to stay plugged into your power. I want to do what you've called me to do. Because God, I know that you've done great things. But Jesus, I know that in you, the best is always yet to come. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Me too. Y'all have a great week. We'll see y'all back next Sunday.